0: But life doesn't have to be that one strict way. Go to school, get a job, pay a mortgage, die. I remember when I started homeschooling, I said to, I think it was to my dad, I said, I think this is what I was born to do, to educate the kids. Because I had all this education. You know, I got a great education. And I wasn't applying it in my job. That I felt that wasn't, I was in hospital science. I didn't feel that was applying my skills. And when I could suddenly start educating the kids in all of the subjects, not just in my pet subject, biology, it felt like I had purpose. And then it led into blogging, which has just blown my mind how much I enjoy that. It's so nerdy. I love it.
1: That's Allison, travel blogger, published writer, world schooler, and mom to two boys. After gaining her degree in zoology and comparative physiology, Allison went on to become a chief medical scientist in London hospitals before switching to blog creation and full-time motherhood. Allison and her husband have always had a passion for travel, but one day they decided they wanted to share this passion with their two young boys and took to traveling the world as a family to expand their son's horizons and education. Six years later of nonstop full-time world travel, they have experienced 50-plus countries while home educating their boys. Along with these life experiences, World Travel Family Travel Blog was created. Their blog covers travel with kids, vacations, long-term travel, gap years, adventure travel, budget, luxury, group tours, and challenging destinations. Through this global travel resource, they aim to help other families travel with ease. So grab a seat by the fire as we travel to Queensland, Australia, to discuss how following your dreams and taking that first step can lead to something amazing.
2: So hello, Allison, and welcome to our podcast. How are you?
0: Hello, I'm very well. How
2: are you? Good, thanks. So we always like to start off with a little introduction so you can just share a little bit about yourself and your family and what it is that you do.
0: Well, my name's Alison, um, I'm a, a blogger. I wasn't always a blogger. I used to be a scientist in hospitals. And then I started homeschooling my boys when my elder one was about six, going on seven. Called him out of school, he was in normal school. The other one, the little one has never been to school. The fifth, he's been homeschooled or world schooled, the, unschooled even, the whole time. We started homeschooling at home in our bricks and mortar. This is actually the same house. In Australia, we're in Far North Queensland. And it went really well, and it was much better for both children than the school environment had been. The school wasn't very good, that's why we pulled him out. And after a little while, we kind of realised that what the kids were doing was learning from everything that was around them every day. So we live on a beach, we've got a rainforest, you know, we've got all these environments that they're learning from. And a lot of what they were learning was from the TV shows they love, books they're reading there were no sort of lessons that were really helpful. You know, I could try and teach him his times table or the alphabet, he wasn't remembering that stuff. So, you know, the school at home went out the window. So around that point, we thought, well, if he's learning from the beach and the rainforest, wouldn't it be great to show him more of the world that he could learn from? So this was the thought process, you know, just to expose him to more of the world. And my husband and I had traveled a lot previously. We'd done a one year round the world trip. We really loved it. We thought it would be great for the kids. We sat down one night and we said, let's go traveling. And we did. And a year later, we went traveling. We traveled for six or seven years. I'm never quite sure. Uh, we've been stuck now because of lockdown, since lockdown. Two years now we've been stuck here. But the boys continue to be educated from home, if you like. I don't call it homeschooling anymore because actually, we actually started using an online school, which has been fabulous. So they could sit their British qualifications, the IGCSEs, which are international. My mm-hmm. eldest son has passed his and he's now studying his A-levels. The younger one is doing his, possibly next year, possibly the year after. It depends if we can get on a plane at the moment. We still don't know if we can get on a plane. And yes, I'm a blogger. The main site is a site called World Travel Family, which is obviously a travel site. I've also got a homeschooling site. I've got eight websites, actually, about different things. And the main one, World Travel Family, also covers world schooling, which I think is what we're probably most known for, this learning from the environment and keeping that environment different and travel, basically. Wow. Okay. So you said you, you had been traveling
1: for six or seven years, right? And so can you give us just a, a rundown of, if you can remember, I don't know, <laughs> all the places you've been <laughs> and kind, yeah, kind
0: of like what your journey looked like? We started with just a one-way ticket from here to Kuala Lumpur. And I'd never been to Malaysia at that point. We had traveled extensively, but i would never been to Malaysia. So we started with a one-way ticket. Ticket to Kuala Lumpur, just me and the boys. My husband stayed here to finish off getting rid of the car and getting everything dusted off at the end, you know. So he joined us about a month later. And from there, we really just made it up as we went along for six or seven years. So first stop after that, we went to Thailand. Then I think we went back to Malaysia because we had a press pass for a water park. It was Legoland. Then we went home to see my mum and that took us via Sri Lanka. So we had a month in Sri Lanka on the way, flew back to London sometime in the UK, then we hopped on a cruise ship and went to the States and up to Canada, drove down the East Coast, then we went to Guatemala, El Salvador, then we hopped on another cruise ship, came back to Spain, then some more time in London, then we almost bought a house in Romania, and we spent three years on and off in this village in Romania, but traveling in between. So on top of that, we've also spent a lot of time in Nepal, we've been to Everett's Base Camp, kids have been up there twice. We spent about six months living in Vietnam. We've been to Singapore. We've been to Bhutan, Tibet. We've been to just about everywhere, really, everywhere that we're interested in. <laughs> so if I'm not particularly interested, I don't want to go there. I'm not somebody who wants to count off countries. So mostly my love is Asia, um, India, particularly Nepal, Sri Lanka, and Vietnam is my husband's favorite and the kids' favorite. So, yeah, And also we follow where the kids want to go because my, both of my boys are really interested in ancient history. So they both wanted Greece and Egypt. So that's where we took them and they loved it. So it's fantastic. So, yeah.
2: All those places sound great, but have you ever been to Cleveland, Ohio?
0: <laughs> no. Sorry, I haven't <laughs> been to Ohio. I have been to quite a few of the states, but not
2: Ohio. You should check it out. It's pretty great.
0: <laughs> it really is, right?
2: <laughs> so she's spoken with a lot of like world traveling families. And one of my, what I'm interested in, I know a lot of other people are interested in is, how does that start? right? So, so many people have this dream of doing what you've done, but they just can't imagine how that process actually plays out, right? Because people have houses and cars, like you spoke about, and bills and, and jobs. How did it work for you? We've read your blog. So we know that your husband was a chef, but how did, how did you make that decision? And what did that decision look like? I'm sure it was a family decision. And what did the, what did the financials look like? How did you work it out to where you could actually do this?
0: Well, I think we were in a, a, a better place than most because we'd already done that 12-month RTW and we knew how that worked. The first time we booked around the world tickets, so we had a few fixed points and we made it up in between. So we knew we were arriving in China on a particular date and we had to be out of Vietnam on a particular date and in between we made it up. So we kind of knew that you could travel in that sort of free-flowing sort of way. So that was easy. That, a lot of people would have a bit of a mental block with that, I think, but we knew that was easy. Financially, I don't know what we were thinking. We, we, um, we thought at first that we'd only go for a year or two years, depending on how much money we could save. And we started saving and just saved as much as we possibly could for 12 months. So we didn't have a particular figure in mind. We just thought as much as we can save in 12 months, that's how long we can afford to travel for. And what we saved was 30,000 Australian dollars, which back then was pretty much the same as US dollars. They were one to one, they're not now. That lasted us a year, which was much, much shorter than we anticipated. We thought that would last two years. And had we had we traveled in the way that we planned, i.e. staying mostly in Southeast Asia, that probably would have lasted a lot longer. But we did go back to the UK and then to the Americas because my mom was sick, we had to go back and visit. And my husband had surgery, that was another. Mm-hmm. We were in Thailand and he had developed an emergency medical condition. He had to have surgery on Koh Yang. That held us up for six weeks. Luckily, the insurance covered the cost of the operation, but that meant we spent quite a lot more. We also found that we kept breaking all our tech gear and we had to buy new tech gear. We bought two laptops at least. We bought replaced two cameras. Phones kept breaking. That really ate into the money. And that time in London, the UK was very expensive. So that just that 30,000 did only last 12 months and it worked out about $100 a day, I think, off the top of my head. But most of that was unforeseen expenses. These days, we travel on about $100 a day and we find that comfortable in Asia for the four of us, even with two big teenagers. But with little kids, that cuts the costs dramatically because you can share rooms. You're only paying for two people, really. For us financially, we only plan to spend the savings. But at the same time, I had started the website and it was making money. It was making maybe... Five hundred, thousand, two thousand—it goes up and down, up and down. A month. We knew we needed it to make more than that, so I did work really, really hard on getting that up. We did get to that point. It did take a few years—I'd say probably about three or four years—before we could actually rely on the income from the websites to fully support us. And by the end of that six-seven-year period, it was—it was a very good income. We had no financial worries at all. And then obviously COVID and it's been smashed. But at the very beginning, because my husband is a chef and we have British passports, he was able to work in London. So he picked up some temporary work in London and that topped up the bank balance just periodically as a casual. And because he's a very good chef, he, he always just walks into work. It's very easy. He's chefing again now to get us through COVID just doing three days a week. So, yeah, that's the story. We saved. Uh, we didn't sell the house. We rented the house mm-hmm. and we had good tenants for the whole six years i think they were here and they never missed a payment there was very little damage when we got back it covered the mortgage it didn't cover things like when the pool pump is replacing uh when we needed air conditioners replacing things like that it didn't cover that but it did cover the mortgage and the rates. so that really wasn't a financial headache we sold a lot of furniture that was old anyway it was at the end of its it wasn't you know shabby but it was the end of the time i wanted to enjoy it we sold a lot of stuff like that we sold loads of possessions i remember we raised six thousand dollars garage sale just selling off stuff we really didn't want to keep anymore
1: wow um
0: yeah it was it was a fair bit um that's about it really yeah it was savings and then starting to earn bit by bit piece by piece building this patchwork income with affiliate sales and advertising and as i said before we do have eight websites now back then it was only really two making money and the travel one is still very much the big
2: one that's why we liked re- reading your blog because it was it was real you know mm-hmm. it's uh, a lot of times we Some of the people we've even interviewed, they're just very wealthy and they just say, well, I can take, I can take off and start traveling and I just have the money. And that, and they're, they were honest about it. And that's, that's really cool too. And good for them. However, there's a vast majority of people that cannot do that. And to hear that you sold, that you worked along the way, you said it's really great. I do remember reading that you said it's great to have skills that you can use on the spot. I think you mentioned you even face painted.
0: Yes, I
2: work the markets, face printing.
0: Which is, I I just made it up.
2: Yeah, and I think that's really neat to hear because some people, a lot of people want to hear how you do that, how you make money while you're on the road and where does the vast chunk of the money come from and then how do you make money along the way? And they may not always like the answer, which we were just talking about that. Like Mm -hmm. sometimes people don't like the answer because they have this idea that they can just travel and be completely free, but things cost money. Just like when your stuff breaks, you Mm -hmm. worked really hard to build up a website that takes a lot of work. Everybody always sees the end product and wow, you guys just have a website that produces of, I'm air quoting a passive income, right? But I'm sure you spent a lot of time working on those. And then the things that you did along the way, like the face painting, I mean, that's, that's just really neat. And it also probably got you into the culture because you had to get involved with the local people at these markets, I'm sure.
0: It was only here in Australia that I did the face painting, but yes it did. You meet a lot of people. Oh, <laughs> okay,
2: just in Australia that yeah. I yeah. Just...
0: <laughs> you very rarely leave your your walls here. There's there's no neighbours that there's no community here, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, going to the markets and mixing with all the market traders, that was really cool. And seeing all these different ways that people did make a living, sure, I, I got sure. the idea into my head that I wanted to buy and sell jewellery. I never got there, but that's another thing I'd love to do, travel to Nepal or India, buy jewellery sell it here, that sort of thing, or fabrics, or there's a lot of possibilities outside of the standard ways of making a living. So I, I mentioned to you, I think, in the email that we've actually almost got a farm, had our offer accepted, we're just waiting for it to go So if that goes through, we're going to look at um selling eggs, selling produce, you know, and then my husband won't have to work in a kitchen anymore. We'll all be at home having a nice time with our chickens and I'll still be blogging. It's just a nicer way to be, to not have to go to a place of work. Because so I did that. I did that for 20 years. And it's just much nicer to have that freedom to be at home if you want to be at home. Mm-hmm. And we do. Not everyone does, but we do. And the kids do too.
2: Now, is this farm going to be in Queensland or somewhere else? Yes, it's going Queensland. to be in
0: Queensland. We, we've been, obviously, we've been stuck here for two years. And I've been like a caged tiger. To <laughs> but um, we've we've kind of got used to it now. <laughs> got used to the Queensland vibe. I, I do like Queensland, but I, I'm a Londoner and I miss London stuff but we've got used to it and we like the idea of staying here now and for our money here we'd get a, a good sized farm whereas if we go home to Wales we'd probably get you know a house with a garden that's that's it <laughs>
2: yeah
0: fingers crossed that's going through today I think we should have the word for mortgage people yes
2: well, good luck yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's super awesome. exciting <laughs> <laughs>
0: I bet I can blog about it <laughs> yes we'll look forward to that one then we'll have to get you back on to talk about homesteading. <laughs> yes, I know. I've been so obsessed with all the American homesteading YouTube channels. I've been watching them all for two years now. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're the other crew that we
1: love to drag on to our podcast too, is getting homestead families on because it's just the lifestyles are, are amazing. Like these are, it, it's just such a special thing. I think whether it's, Traveling when you can, if it is only part time, but you're making it a part of your lifestyle, or it's the full time travel, or the lifestyle of homesteading that's a completely different animal and it's also can be very unconventional and we we just love hearing about it and we love sharing it with all these other families in hopes to encourage them to think outside the box.
0: <laughs> mm, absolutely. It is, I see so many parallels with our ways of thinking, you know, the mm-hmm. travel and the homesteading, it's all just different. Like they've you got know, this group living differently. It's just different. And I think that's what it comes down to is freedom yes. to do what you want to do really, yes. with, with your family and with your life.
1: Yes. Yeah. We interviewed um, sailing Zatara and they travel worldwide on their boat with their family And they said when they were coming down to the decision, because they knew they wanted some sort of change because they wanted to like grow closer together as a family. um, It was either going to go buy a farm (laughs) to go homestead or to get a, buy a boat and go sail the world. And they did that one. So (laughs)
0: I like the idea, but I think it also sounds absolutely terrifying. I I just can't (laughs) imagine being in the middle of the ocean on a very small boat, but I love the idea of it. Would you do it?
1: I don't know about a boat. No, I I think I prefer to be on land, honestly.
2: <laughs> well, we I wouldn't say we were homesteaders, but we have we have birds, we have a garden, I have grapevines. It's not full time, like you know, that's all we rely on, but we do these things. I love that. I don't know if I could be on a boat and not have a garden and have animals and grow fruit. Like that's a part of our life that we've done for Quite a bit now, so
0: that actually that was one of the kids considerations when we first left. Because I'm a gardener, I've always been a gardener. We've got a big tropical garden, lots of mature fruit trees, and that was one of the things. Can I leave my garden? Yes. No no competition, no competition at all. Even now, it's so much more now. We grow all our own fruit, all our own tomatoes. I could leave tomorrow if I could just get on a plane and go to Bangkok or Kathmandu or somewhere. Yes, I could leave it. But after a few years you've got to kind of think well can we just live this peripatetic lifestyle forever or do we need something more something more stable and I think we've come to the conclusion now that we do need a home base particularly for the kids the kids have got pets now we can't get rid of the pets they're part of the family <laughs> I've got a snake just behind me over here we need we need a base and we did have that base in Romania we could store the kids toys and our ski gear and come and go as we please But we need a base here and it's not going to stop us traveling. We can get house-sitters, we can... What we've done the last year or so before lockdown was just uh, my eldest son and myself would go on a trip. So I had a press trip to uh, Borneo, a a hiking trip to stay with the tribe. So just my son and I went on that one and my husband and the younger son stayed home and that works fine. And then when my husband gets opportunity, he can do something. Actually at the moment, my, my husband and my eldest son they're off on a big camping trip this week. They've gone up to the, the Cape up here, which is back and beyond, off-road, no signal, camping, like on a beach, and they're actually volunteering. They're picking up trash off the beach, and they do that often, and they love it. So they can do that father-son camping stuff, which I would hate. And we can all do our own thing, you know. We can do what suits us. So my husband does deep water diving, like open water diving. I That terrifies me, but he was able to do that just before... Before lockdown, that was another uh, work trip. So we each get, you know, what we enjoy most. And he knows that I really enjoy London, so he's buying me a flight to London for Christmas. <laughs> so the, the borders are due to open around about Christmas. Fingers crossed, so I can go home and see my dad.
2: So as of right now, you cannot fly out of Australia. I read, we read the, obviously the news, but I never know what to believe. But I heard that Australia was in a hard lockdown, or you still can't even leave.
0: We can't know. Well, New South Wales have said they're going to open around about the middle of December, I think, but we're Queensland, and each state premier makes their own rules. So even though Queensland is getting towards 80% vaccinated, as New South Wales is a little ahead, Queensland is saying no, we're not going to open when we get there. And she's dropping hints. Yesterday I read that she was telling people they had five to six weeks to get vaccinated and after that, they're going to unleash the virus. So probably that means they are gonna open the borders in five to six weeks, but we still don't have a date. And that just makes it impossible to plan anything at all, really, because mm. you, you just can't. And also because we're in a, a tourist town, we're on the Great Barrier Reef here. Uh, we've had no tourists, so everything here is dead. There are businesses shutting down. My husband's doing three days a week because the restaurant is only open three days a week. You know, and that f- everyone whose income relies on that restaurant you know the waitresses the owner the bar staff they've all got no money they've laid off one of the chefs we met him in the supermarket the other day he was in tears my son is going the other flip side of the coin is there's also no qualified workers so you can't get a chef so my son is going in with his dad to help in the kitchen because he can't they can't get a chef of that level and the qualified chefs are are taking other jobs you know just to try and pay them it's it's crazy I here really crazy so hopefully christmas things will start coming back
2: Wow. Yeah, I mean, we went through a little bit of that. I mean, that was a but that was a while ago. It's
0: I mean, various travel groups and everyone from the states seems to have been jetting off to the Bahamas for at least a year now. I, I think and, and also my dad back home, he's got complete freedom to do whatever he wants to Wasn't affected at all. But yeah, we're still stuck.
2: We're going to Puerto Rico on Monday.
0: <laughs> oh, lovely. <laughs> that yeah. is not to rub it in. No,
2: no. <laughs> But this I mean, is our first trip since all this started. Yes. That's why I brought that up, because we cannot wait. We
1: have been yeah. waiting. We were supposed to go to Canada before all the everything came down, and we had to cancel, and then it was supposed to be Puerto Rico, and then we had to wait and wait, and then finally, and it's not going to be ideal by any means. I mean, they're pretty strict over there, too, but we yeah. were like, what are we waiting for? Like, we don't know when it's going to be, air quote, normal, so you might as well go if you can. <laughs> well, so, how long are we going, for? like 10 days. days. Yeah. We have family. Yes. So it'll be good. It'll be the kids first overseas. So we're really excited for them. (laughs) So speaking of just to backtrack a little traveling with kids, well, yeah, traveling the world. And then especially with kids in tow can be very unconventional and life altering so was there like this defining moment that you guys said you know six or seven years ago like was there a moment where you guys this is what we want this is what we want to do or was it just because you and your husband always had the travel bug
0: it wasn't a defining moment in terms of um something bad happened or something good happened that was like a light bulb moment there wasn't anything like that but it was just a feeling that where we were wasn't offering us much and the rest of the world offered us a lot more. And I know I, I remember the conversation. James and I were sat on the patio here and we had a bottle of white wine. I know it was white wine. <laughs> I and mean, we started talking about um, wouldn't it be nice to take the kids traveling like we used to travel? And we just talked and we said, okay, so when are we going to do it? 12 months from now. We'll do it 12 months from now. So we set a date. And then that whole year was just spent working towards that. I started budgeting like that day I started selling stuff that day I I got myself the job at the market face painting I started doing anything I could to raise money he 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 was working full-time but all his bonuses any tips everything just was going in the pot and we were just saving for that whole year and I'm not saying that year was easy it was it's not It's not easy to be budgeting to that extent, Mm -hmm. but it's very gratifying when you see that total coming up to the point where, yeah, we can meet. It would be awesome. So, yeah, um, it was just an overall feeling that the kids would be better to see more of the world than just this little corner. And this is a very nice little corner. Granted, you know, we do live on the Great Barrier Reef. But once you've been out to the reef once or twice a year, you, you can do it once or twice a year every year. You know what I mean? you doing the same thing over and over again and I, I still do love going out to the reef every time but it is only once or twice a year and it is very expensive whereas I'd rather the kids have lots of different experiences than multiple of the same experience and I think that's that's how they learn isn't it
1: so speaking of obviously if you have kids and decide on a nomadic lifestyle their education is another big piece of that decision making so I feel like I know the answer for this, but was it easy for you to make that shift of in mindset of like what learning is? And I'm assuming yes, because you said you had already started homeschooling before that. And then what did your children's education and learning look like as full-time travelers?
0: We Well, obviously we'd already made the decision that we were going to do that. And funnily enough, you mentioned boats. Um, we were the only family homeschooling in this town. It's a very small town. Wow. And I happened to meet... Another lady who was planning to homeschool, she had two little girls and she lived on a boat. And she's off sailing somewhere. Um, And just the the fact of meeting one other person who thought like me, and it it was kind of, it was uh, enough backup for me to have the strength to just march into the school and say he's not coming anymore. Mm -hmm. And that was just a little push I needed. So I think just meeting that one other person, because there's not many people. I think there's more in the States, but there's not many people who have this what many perceived to be a crazy idea to pull the kids out of the, the school system. You know, I, I always thought it was like weirdos who did that. And, and yet, at the same time, I always thought it was good. I don't know why. But yes, that decision had already been made at the time we left. I started very school at home, as everyone does, sitting at the table, trying to learn times tables. Threw that out the window, within uh, before we left, that big thrown out the window. But here, it's quite the homeschooling system here is quite regulated. We do have to register and submit learning reports and plans and all sorts of stuff. So we did have to adhere to that for those two years. It wasn't too limiting, but you have to follow the Australian state and yeah. do the subjects they prescribe. But once we left, because we're British, we got back into the British groove where there's no registration required. Uh, I was always planning that if the kids were to sit exams, it would be the British exams. So I always sort of nodded to the British curriculum, although we didn't do any sort of structured lessons or anything like that. A lot of people call us unschoolers. I don't think we are because I've always driven them a bit. I've always kind of guided and tried to hope that they would get an extremely good academic education, whereas at the same time, we've done it in a very unconventional way. On the road, what's it look like? Well, most of the time we were too busy to do anything like that. So Mm -hmm. say we're... We've just arrived in Bangkok. We're not going to sit in a hotel room and do maths, are we? We're going to be out looking at the stuff. So the only time any sort of formal education would happen would be if we were sat in one place for quite a long time and we didn't have those opportunities to do something different every day. And then we had various online things like obviously Khan Academy. We have workbooks that I would get sent from the UK or we can buy them on Amazon in various places. They were en- enrolled in various online courses through the Open University, things like that. And then because of COVID, we actually went into a more formal online school scenario, which actually has worked out very well. My son has passed his exams now, he did really well. Um, and that's that's been nice. It's been It's structured to a degree that I could never structure it. I, I could never say, right, on Tuesday at 10 o'clock, we're doing biology. Mm-hmm. That's just not, I couldn't do that. So we've got that structure and the kids are doing something and they're doing it with qualified teachers. And I think the beauty of qualified teachers is they know what's required in the exam, because some of the things the kids have learnt about how to pass exams, particularly in English, which I got two A's in English and English literature. I couldn't have told them how to pass an English exam now because it's changed so much. The, the, the paragraph structure and the essay structure. I was never taught that. So I couldn't have taught them how to pass an English exam, which isn't the same skill as being a writer. Obviously, I'm a writer, but I write I write for the web, which is another skill. Again, that's all about SEO. It's not about metaphors and you know, onomatopoeia. It's about keywords. So they've learned some very specific skills just geared towards passing exams, which shows how kind of crazy the system is because they're not being taught how to write to the, for the web and make money. They're being taught how to pass this exam. But anyway, he has now passed these exams. Um, what was the question? Yeah, it was, uh, no, it's okay.
1: You were answering without knowing, I guess. You you answered the mindset because you had already shifted your mindset about like what learning can look like. It doesn't have to be within these walls. And then I just asked like what a typical, yeah, day in the life look like out as full-time travelers, which we've pretty much gotten the same answer where it's very unschooling and you're learning through life. I was going to ask, these exams you keep talking about, I'm not familiar with this. So is this something that's required? No, it's not
0: required. So in the UK, um, we have a system where around 15, 16, 17, you sit uh, GCSEs, which used to be called O levels, ordinary levels. And then you spend the next two years doing in-depth study on two, three, four subjects. So because I knew I wanted to do sciences, I did biology, chemistry, and physics that because you needed those passes to get into university to do courses I wanted to do. Okay, so my eldest son has now passed his IGCSEs, where the I stands for international, and it's a system whereby kids all over the world can tap into the British education system and get these qualifications, which are internationally recognised. So he's passed those, and now he's spending this year and next year doing his A-levels. And he's chosen to do history and biology. He's only doing two. He can always do another one if he wants to. He doesn't at this moment have any clue what he wants to do, or even if he wants to go to university. But um, that can be hacked at any age. You can just get more qualifications or get whatever bits of paper you need or don't need. I know kids go to university without any of these formal qualifications based on their skill set, and portfolios, and that sort of thing. It can be hacked. But I just think the best use... Of our time at the moment because we've literally been stuck here for two years and I just thought the kids need more than just sitting in in the house they've been in the house in the garden and it's a very small town Uh, they needed more so to have this extra contact with uh, a very small online school I think has actually been really good for them Um, particularly because the history teacher which this was absolutely gold he was the only kid in history for a whole term after they'd sat the exams and the history teacher's degree is actually in ancient history, and ancient history is not on the curriculum. So those two together spent a whole term just nerding out about ancient Egypt, and we really loved it. So that was that was fantastic. That's great. Yeah. So, what was that like? see
1: so this is when, what most parents I think love to hear, or the naysayers, I, I would like to prove them wrong, which is your kids have done the majority of their you know academic years traveling the world in a very unstructured way. So how was that transition for them going from that into this online schooling? And I mean, and you're saying that he's passed the test, but yeah, how did that all look?
0: He's was fine. Um, I was, I was a little concerned, particularly with math because math is kind of structured. See the way the GCSE courses work is all of the content that's going to be on the exams is taught in years 10 and 11 everything is covered in those two years. So anything that you did before year 10 is basically just building to the point of passing these exams. And then you cover those topics. So history, it was uh, the Vietnam War, French Revolution, Germany before the wars, and something else. So it was just those four topics that were on the exam. And those topics were fully covered in those two years. Now, he didn't even start at the beginning of year 10. He started towards the end of year 10 and dropped in And because the subjects are taught in complete little units, each lesson was really required no previous knowledge. He just dropped in and was fine. Maths, it did require some previous knowledge, but he was able to, he actually found maths really easy. He was able to sort of hack it, do his own research, um, catch up. Because he missed a few terms, obviously I'm a biologist, I was able to get him up to speed with biology and chemistry very, very easily. It's a very basic level GCSE. And he'd mostly already done it because I, I taught biology all day. It's my it's my subject. I love physiology. They do ask the questions like, How does your heart work, mum? You tell them, you know, it's if it, we've already covered that. So when it comes to a formal lesson where you just learn to draw the diagram and label the different pieces, it's not really that hard. But he did he slotted in really, really well. And because it was here in his, I'm actually in his bedroom he just rolls out of bed and goes on his computer the same as he does every day. You know, it's not really that much different. And he, I think also because he's, you know, when kids are in school, they've got that division between pupils and teachers and homeschooled kids don't really have that so much. They, they see adults as just more people to be friends with. They <laughs> relate more to the teachers. There's not that, so they're not scared of them. They, they just they just chat. Like I say, he nerded it out with his history teacher. It's been great. Mm-hmm. they've had some really good teachers actually some really kind of wacky ones it's been really good fun and some very good English teachers it has been good and because of the very very small class size I don't think I've seen a class with more than six kids and most of the classes at the moment are either one or two kids in the class it's yeah I know That's nice um, <laughs> it has been excellent they get it's personal it's personal tuition really and mm-hmm. the other kids are all over the world so my younger son was in a class yesterday with a girl in Hong Kong. They've had kids in Taiwan, uh, Malaysia, Thailand. So all these kids are all around the region and it's actually really interesting for them. And the teachers are a real mixed bag as well. They've got Indian, uh, Singaporean, British, Australian, all these different nationalities. And it's just really interesting. And also most of the kids have had very different sort of lifestyles. I know one kid, his dad's a pilot, so he's moved with work. There's a lot of you know, families similar to us. Yeah. who've just done things by a strange route so yeah interesting
2: I wanted to tell a funny story really quick because mm-hmm. you mentioned that the difference the difference between the homeschooling kids with the uh, interaction with the teachers we spoke with a uh, homeschooling liaison that works for a university here in the United States yeah. and we just said you know you guys have any issues with the homeschooling kids that have never been in like a traditional classroom and they come right into college you said no, academically they're they're some of the best the biggest problem is that they don't know the difference between being a student and and being just buddies with the teacher they'll go up and start talking to the professors and asking questions and yeah. speaking to them like they're their they a friend and in that setting it's just not normal and and the professors don't know what to do <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So I think, I think that's funny.
0: For not being respectful enough, or something. But um, mostly they're fine with it. Most of the teachers are a lot more modern these days. My oh. I think. I you think know, some of the other kids will call them like sir and madam, and uh, some of the Indian kids call them teacher. Whereas my kids use their first name, and apparently they're not supposed to do that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey Mike, can you go over that subject again real quick? I didn't quite catch that. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> well, you know all the strict. We, I like. To, I'm, I'm going to blame the British for sending all this strictness to the United States and Australia. right? That's where we got it all from, isn't it?
0: Is it? I don't know. I believe I know. so.
2: Yes, it's the British uh, educational system. I think was passed on uh, to the United States as well. I grew up in New England area in, in the United States. Everything, if you if you trace everything back, it came from Britain, and everything strict came straight from there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Is I've got a friend from Texas just up. She's just up the road, and her kids call um their mum and dad. Well, they call dad sir. I'm not sure what they call her, but they, they even within the family they call it dad sir. ma'am
2: from, ma'am
0: yes, and sir, dad. yes. Mm-hmm. That's,
1: That's the mean. south. That's yes. the
2: south.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yes
2: the southern united states is very you'll find that their their manners are it's like very traditional and very polite even Mm -hmm. with their parents or people out in town it's changing because that's all changing but the south is generally like that yeah yeah
0: now see my my kids have always had friends who were adults and they were just first name they were buddies they were we, we, we just always hung out, you know. We never, there was never sort of, well, you go and play with the kids, you can hang out with whoever you want to hang out with. You know, it's, they don't see any difference. So,
2: which is a good thing because they can hold a conversation with anybody.
0: I think so. I mean, the first time I went to a homeschool camp here, um, back when my kids were still quite small, they're about seven, eight, something like that. And there were quite a lot of homeschooled teenagers there. And it really struck me how these teenagers would look at you and talk to you and they weren't going off and disappearing into huddles. They were, they were like, they were talking to me. I was really quite surprised. And th- at that stage, I was really new to the environment and this whole new world we were going into. And I nobody had told me that that was the case. I noticed it. I mean, you do hear it all the time, but it was yes. noticeable yet.
2: Yeah, it was one of the first things we noticed when we started getting in those groups is how mature the kids were. Like, mm. wow, these kids are so much more mature than some of the kids that you meet out in town. Like, it's just the way that they speak the way that they the, their communication skills the way that they look you in the eye when they are talking to you and it doesn't typically happen with a lot of people coming from other areas it's you know yeah. they get the headphones on they're looking down at the ground they don't want to make eye contact with you and it's a it's a very you can it's definitely noticeable once you start doing this mm-hmm.
0: i might do that headphones thing there too i know i used to it's been since we've been back here you know they used to be too busy for that and now they're
1: old
2: (laughs) yeah
0: yeah so
1: what is some advice that you would have for a family that's considering a significant change in their lifestyle and this could be whether it is full-time travel or buying a farm to begin homesteading or just making the decision to homeschool Um, because you know I think a lot of people are just really nervous to make that first step so what advice would you have for them
0: I think you should do whatever you think is going to make you happy if you've got a little idea in your head that's just bugging you and bugging you, how are you going to feel when you get to 80 and you've still got that idea and you never did it? You know, you can try. You've got nothing to lose. Like, we're about to buy a farm. I've got no clue about keeping goats and cows and chickens and... (laughs) we can have a go though and what can really go wrong you can lose a bit of money but what's money really come on you can make more money we had nothing when we got back here we've been fine we've just been through covid we've had you know almost zero income we've been fine we found ways if you think a little differently you'll find ways of doing things that probably you at the moment can't even imagine but there are loads of people out there who've done it already and if you go to resources like the blogs and the youtubers and the podcasters and somebody will have done something similar or anything you don't know at this point how to do you can find out how to do it or you can make it up as you go along as we did but life doesn't have to be that one strict way go to school get a job pay a mortgage die that sounds so depressing (laughs) it does does. I was living until I was in my 40s and I remember when I started homeschooling, I said to, I think it was to my dad, I said, I think this is what I was born to do, to educate the kids. Because I had all this education. You know, I, I've got a great education. And I wasn't applying it in my job. That I felt that wasn't, I was in hospital science. I didn't feel that was applying my skills. And when I could suddenly start educating the kids in all of the subjects, not just in my pet subject biology, it felt like I had purpose. And then it led into the blogging, which has just blown my mind how much I enjoy that. It's so nerdy. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's, I found much greater fulfillment through doing things that maybe you wouldn't perceive as being a good job. You know, people want you to be a doctor or I never wanted to be a doctor. I always tell the kids, don't be a doctor. I found a lot more fulfillment in being self-employed, making my own income, looking after my kids, growing my garden, keeping my animals. There'll cats and a snake at the moment, but there will be more animals. That's that's how I find a happy life. And for some people, a happy life might not look like that. But if, if you've got a vision, you should at least try because you've really got very little to lose.
1: No, I think that's perfectly said. Yes, goes <laughs> along with many of our conversations these days. But I was the same thing. Like I am a registered nurse and I have been doing that for years, like our kids are, were in daycare. Our oldest did go to school before our oldest was not always homeschooled and it did take, well, Nathan was the first to start thinking outside the box. Like, would you consider this? And, um, but now that I'm doing it, it's like you said, I found, I feel like this is what I was always called to do not the nursing job. Nursing is like what everybody tells you is, it's a good job. That's what you want to do. People ask me all the time, are you going to go back to it? Um, or have you considered, you know, maybe trying to pull, you know, this off and that off. And I'm like, I'm really happy what I'm doing. Like, I'm going to keep up with my license just in case, but I honestly have like no desire to go back to it. I just feel very fulfilled in my calling here And now that we're doing this, I feel like it's opened up this whole nother can of worms where the same thing, like, I want to figure out like, what else can we do? Like, what are the ways that we can make income on our terms and and not rely on others? It's just, there's just, it's. Fun, like
0: I don't know, I enjoy it. <laughs> and you've got that marketable skill that is always in demand. You, mm-hmm. you could do it part time if you had to, like as right. Well as if we, I had to, yes. <laughs> that's. I think it's very good to get a solid sort of background like that. I, I could go back into what I did, and I don't want to. Like, right. I yeah. Never <laughs> want to do that again? But we've got these skills that we can use if there is ever a problem. But the mm-hmm. the better skill, I think, is the skill of making money online, which has just been fabulous. It's changed. It's changed our whole lives. All right. Did you have anything else to add?
2: No. That was. I, I love that answer because yeah. we talk about that all the time. I said the only thing I'm ever worried about is getting old and regretting not having tried something. Because who cares? In in 20 years, no one's going to remember that you fell on your face or you didn't then you picked yourself back up. It's going to be you're going to remember what you accomplished and what you did. And even if you don't, if you don't stick with something or you don't succeed, maybe in you know whatever succeed means. You know you tried. Mm-hmm. You know you. Boats,
0: we both need to try the boat thing.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the boat. yeah, exactly. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, that's, that's this, to me, that's the scariest thing in life is dying with regrets like that, where you were too afraid to try something, where you were too worried about what other people would think of you and you didn't do it. That's the scary, I, to me, that is the scariest thing in life.
0: Yeah. And I think the older you get, I'm a few years ahead of you two, you realize how short it is. And particularly with COVID, we've lost, effectively lost two years. We've lost really the final two years of my kid's childhood, during which time I would have rather been doing something else. I've got significantly older. I mean, thankfully, I am still fit. I can still do the stuff that I used to do. I want to go and do some more big treks in the Himalayas. Um, My knees are still good. But I, I am starting to get a few health issues. I've got to watch my diet now. So I can't eat whatever I can find on a back street in Vietnam you know I've got to try and find something that's healthy and yeah as you get older you you will face those issues so if you possibly can do it do it while you're younger rather than retired because I'm still years off retirement officially but I wouldn't we wouldn't be able to travel in the same way as we did almost 10 years ago now with my dietary problems I would not be able to do it I'd have to self-cater and be a bit more planned so yeah the difficulties do arise as you get older and your kids do leave home and do it with your kids because these years they they fly by Mm -hmm. they really do and I'm on the brink of them leaving I'm doing everything I can to glue them home but they're on the brink of leaving now and that's that's scary Mm -hmm. and they'll probably take off around the world they could be anywhere because (laughs) they know the world they know that they can go to Romania and stay with a friend just do it do it as soon as you can
1: I love that all right so we're down to our final question and that is if you knew you could only leave one last piece of wisdom for your children,
0: what would it be? Oh, just do the thing. Don't think you can't. Never think you can't. Always try. I've always been a bit that way. I, I'll just have a go at anything. And I remember my husband's grandmother saying to me that, you, oh, you really get stuck into things, um, Alison. <laughs> and yeah, I do. I, I mean, if I, nobody told me that I'm not supposed to just plant a banana tree and see what happens. So I just... I just do it. And if it doesn't grow, I'll plant another one in a different place. <laughs> yeah, but it might grow. So, you know, have a go. Just have a go at anything. I had no clue that homeschooling would turn out well. It did. I had no clue that blogging would make us an income. It did. Yeah, there have been failures, but that's how you learn, you know. The experiences add up and eventually you get good at something because you know how to be bad at something, if you see what mm-hmm. I mean. So, yeah, just have a go. Try. If it goes wrong, it goes wrong. You've learned something from that mistake. Go for it. I
2: like it. Yes. I think one of my favorite quotes, I, I'm going to butcher this a little bit, but Thomas Edison said, I didn't fail a thousand times at making a light bulb. I figured out a thousand ways not to make a light bulb.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's like living to homeschool, isn't it? When <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so true. All right, Allison. where can people find you? Well, the main website is called World Travel Family. That's three words, and people always hear me wrong, but it's It's World Travel Family. We're on all the usual channels. We're on Instagram and uh, Facebook and Twitter and Pinterest. I also have some other sites. I've got a site called Homeschool Group Hug. Three words, but all one in the URL. And that one started because it was the... The voice piece for our local homeschool group so that's why it's got homeschool group in the title and I thought her was cute on the end uh, but now it's just a general homeschooling site I've got another one called uh, tropical food garden which is very new baby my husband's site is called world travel chef and it's got a lot of a lot more food content and also general travel and I'll just leave it there because it's quite a lot of them <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great <laughs> I can't wait to take a look at some of
1: those. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of them are small. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Allison, for joining us today. This was a wonderful conversation. Yeah. We totally enjoyed getting to know you better. And honestly, if this farm gig works out for you, we will be calling you back <laughs> on after you've, you know, put yourself yeah. on there for a little bit.
2: <laughs> yeah, we'd love to hear that. This was, this was great. I'm inspired. Yes, I am. <laughs>
0: you it's been lovely chatting at six o'clock in the morning
2: (laughs) yes good morning by the way and i
0: love (laughs) that you were such an early riser because it really worked out with the scheduling (laughs) i gotta catch the dawn every morning otherwise i feel cheated
2: has anything changed in the future that we don't know about yet (laughs) for tomorrow or tomorrow
0: uh no the world is still turning
1: you're Uh, good
2: darn it okay (laughs) Okay.
1: yes we are still Thursday and you are Friday which is so
2: cool
1: (laughs) I get so confused yeah
2: well thank you very much that was great appreciate it thank you
1: all right well take care Allison okay bye we want to thank Allison for joining us today she is an inspiration in pursuing your wildest dreams and making those dreams come to life for curriculum resources from past guests and free downloadable packets be sure to check out our show notes Thank you all for joining us around the campfire today, as well as those of you who continue to join us each and every episode faithfully. If you have been enjoying our podcast, please be sure to follow us on your podcast app. And we also request that you please write us a review. That is the biggest gift you can give us to thank us for putting out this podcast. We would also love for you to connect with us on social media or just send us an email. Say hi. Or whatever questions you may have, please send them our way. We hope you guys have an amazing week and as always, let's light a fire they can't put out.